Section One of Mornings at Bow Street. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mornings at Bow Street by John White. Section One. A cool contrivance. One fine summer's morning, a short, dumpy, sunburnt, orange, and purple-faced old man, topped with a clean white nightcap, was brought before the magistrate by an officer who had just found him trudging through the mall in St. James Park with his breeches on a stick over his shoulder, instead of their natural and proper place, this comical fat of his, please your worship, said the officer, frightened the ladies out of their wits, and made such a hubbub among the young blackguards, that I thought it my duty to take him into custody. But he kicked and sprunted at such a rate that it was as much as two or three of us could do to get his breeches on again. "'Why do you walk without your breeches, my honest friend?' says the magistrate, in a tone of kind expostulation. "'Because I was so hot that I was determined not to be bothered with breeches any longer,' replied the queer old man, twinkling his little deep-set French grey eyes, and sending forth a long-drawn sultry sigh. The magistrate asked him something of his history, to which he replied that he was born at Great Marlow, in Buckinghamshire, where his father was a small farmer.' There was a rare lot of us young ones, said he, running about the lanes and paddling in the cool green ponds like so many goslings. For myself, I was made a shoemaker of by a gentleman who thought me too pretty for a plowboy. And so I've been making shoes in London these last forty years, but latterly I'm always so hot and dry that I can make no more shoes. Not I, and I'll take to the fields again. His worship was of the opinion that the poor fellow's wits were wandering, and ordered that he should be taken care of in Tothill Fields, Bridewell, until his parish could be ascertained. A costermonger's query. A person who called himself a master costermonger, having with some difficulty obtained access to the table, made his best bow to the magistrate, and said, Please your worship, what am I to do about my bitch? About what? said his worship. "'About my bitch. Vot I lost four months ago, your worship. I lost her in pup, and I knows the man's vot's fun of her. And now she pups six pups. And says he to me, says he, "'You shall either have the bitch without the pups, or the pups without the bitch. And if so, be as you don't like that. You shan't have neither of them. And so vant am I to do, your worship?' "'Why, go along and mind your business,' replied his worship and the master costermonger retired from court without having taken anything by his motion. A tea party. Joseph Arnold, Esquire of Duck Lane, Westminster, a retired hackney coachman, better known by the title of the Rough Diamond, and as the intimate friend of Bill Gibbons, Esquire P.C. Com. Gen, was brought before the sitting magistrate under the following awkward circumstances. Mr. Peter Guy, who is a tailor by trade, and Mrs. Peter Guy were invited to tea by the accomplished hostess of the Russian Hotel in Bow Street. Mr. Joseph Arnold, Mr. Joseph Arnold's housekeeper, and several other ladies and gentlemen were of the party. There was toast and prime dorset, and muffins and crumpets, with gunpowder and bohe for the ladies, and pig's face, red herrings, and hot coffee for the gentlemen. In short, there was everything quite genteel and comfortable. Now it so happened that Mr. Peter Guy wore a white poodle, Upper Benjamin, 
of his own make on the occasion and his unfortunate dress upset the comfort of the whole party mr joseph arnold first observed that mr peter guy's poodle benjamin was as pretty a bit of toggery as ever he seed all the company agreed to this except one lady mrs jonathan guy who remarked that it looked rather too warm-like and smothery for fireside wear mr joseph arnold observed it warn't a morsel too warm for those as had any gumpton in em and he offered to bet a shilling that he could get it on if so be as mr peter guy would be quite enough to peel there was not a lady in company who did not laugh outright at this proposition because mr joseph arnold is a large round man upwards of six feet high and mr peter guy as one of the ladies very justly observed is a little hop of my thumb chap not much above half as big mr j arnold however swore by gullies a favorite oath of his that he would not flinch from his bet and at length mr peter guy took him at his word the stakes were deposited and mr peter guy having slipped out of his benjamin mr joseph arnold squeezed himself into it without a vast deal of trouble though when it was on the sleeves did not reach much below his elbows mr peter guy readily admitted that he was done and requested his benjamin again but mr joseph arnold refused to restore it observing that it was a prime fit and he would give it a turn among the swells in duck lane the ladies remonstrated the gentlemen laughed the noise ran high the tea-tables were hurried away and the crumpets were upset among the ashes but it was all of no use mr joseph arnold swore the toggery was too good for a tailor and he would keep it for himself and so saying he sallied forth and strutted up and down the bow street for nearly two hours till at length the patience of mr peter guy became exhausted and he gave him in charge to an officer who carried him before the magistrate his worship having first ordered mr joseph arnold to be placed at the bar asked him what he had to say for himself he replied that he did not feel himself a bit disgraced by being placed in that air bar being as how he was well known to mr white and mr markland the magistrates at queen square and to all the inhabitants of duck lane as an honest man and one that was as well to do in the world as any man who was no better off than himself and as to the benjamin there was such a bother about he had got it on by the free consent of the owner and he would keep it on long enough unless the owner stood a drop of summit short if that's the case sir observed the magistrate i shall instantly commit you for the robbery this seemed to have a considerable effect upon mr joseph arnold for he instantly though slowly began to peel and having so done he handed the benjamin over the bar sulkily observing this comes of keeping company with tailors your worship i can't say but it sarves me right howsomever he might have it had before if he had not been so blank tall and consequential about it mr peter guy thanked the magistrate for his kind interposition and the parties withdrew pat langham's logic mr patrick longham was charged with having assaulted mrs bridget finnegan by spitting in her face his worship told him he was a dirty fellow and asked him what he could say in excuse for such an unmanly and disgusting trick well your honor replied patrick i should have not done it by no means but she put her nose in the mouth of me nonsense man how could she put her nose in your mouth well your honor she did that same anyhow and i can bring a witness to the fore that'll testify to your honor the magistrate told him he did not believe him 
Mrs. Bridget Finnegan said it was a great lie, invented by Patrick to bring shame upon her, the mother-in-law to the brother of him, and own mother to four children, barring one that's dead. Patrick persisted to this no story, and being desired to show the manner of it, he placed himself in the attitude of a scolding woman, with chin poked out and arms akimbo. Why, you foolish fellow, observed the magistrate, you mean that she put her nose in your face, not mouth. Your honor, call it what you please, replied Patrick, but me mouth's in me face, anyhow, and so me face and me mouth's all one, your honor, in that shape. His worship could not but smile at his explanation of the matter, and told Mrs. Bridget Finnegan that he thought Patrick was a harmless fellow, who would conduct himself better in the future if he would forgive him his past offenses. Mrs. Bridget Finnegan, however, refused to be pacified. She implored his worship to bind him down to the law, and declared that upon one occasion lately he told her if it was not for the law he would put all the teeth in her head into her stomach, but as Patrick declared he had no ill blood to the creator and promised never to molest her again, the magistrate dismissed the complaint. End of section one.